Hello, you are listening to Matt and Brett Love Comics, part two of our interview with Ryan Stegman. This is the book club portion of our interview where we will discuss The Death Ray by Daniel Klaus. So buckle up and hop in your listening car. Here we go. Switch on into our book club portion. Uh, Ryan, you picked uh, The Death Ray by Daniel Klaus. Right. I am pronouncing that right, right? Klaus? Right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I have a horrible uh, habit of mispronouncing last names, so I would not be surprised. <laughs> if it was well, like... when, when, when Chris Robertson was on and we were like... Chris Roberson, and he was like, it's Roberson. Yeah. We were like, ah. Yeah. Ugh. If it's a 50-50 shot, I'm going to get it wrong, Stiegman. Ah. <laughs> See, that's... Hey, now. Yeah, no one ever says that. Um, but uh, what made you pick The Death Ray? Have you, had you uh, read it before? Or? I was at Cherry Capital Con, uh, which is a convention here in uh, Michigan about two weeks ago. And uh, Tony Moore was there. Oh, wow. And uh, we went to the bookstore together, and he said, I have this book. It's really good. And so I bought it. And then you <laughs> nice. guys asked me to do this, and I was like, this was like literally sitting next to the computer. I was like, let's do this. <laughs> oh, great. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, I, I, hadn't, I actually had only started reading it. I just finished it today, uh, but I had only started reading it when we decided to do it. But I, you know, I knew I enjoyed it already. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were you? Uh, are you familiar with any of Daniel Klaus' uh, previous work? Unfortunately, this? not as much as I should be, because I know everybody always tells me about you know Ghost World and everything, and I'm I'm going to seek out more of it now. It's just uh, I hadn't in the past. Yeah, that's where I'm coming from as well. I've seen Ghost World, the movie, and I own it. And did it come out? I'm trying to think. I was in college when it came out. Yeah, it would have been about 2001, right? Yeah, so I feel like. I rented it when I was in college, and, like, Ghost World, that movie became, like, oh, I'm in college now. These are the kind of movies that I'm supposed to like. This is great. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Little did I know that that quiet, mousy girl in that movie would become Black Widow ten years later. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. Because um, everything comes back to the Avengers with me. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, this is my first Daniel Klaus, uh escapade, and I uh, was highly entertained by it. I liked it a lot. Uh, Matt, how... Much Daniel Klaus, you know. Um, yeah, I've I've read uh, you know some of his shorter works and stuff, uh, like in Eight Ball and stuff like that. Uh, this was, uh, and of course, I, I read Ghost World. I'd I'd love that book, um, and I was really excited to read this because this was one of those ones. Uh, this was one of those stories that I was always like, uh, you know, I have my I have my list of like superhero books that I love to read, you know, yeah. and then I have the list of like you know, graphic novel and art comics that I really want to read. And this was on there. And uh, because I'm a simpleton, I always gravitate towards the the the, uh, the flashier stuff sooner, right? This, uh, this cover, though, is pretty flashy. This is like yeah. a nice pink and white. It's a very yeah. catchy design. Oh, yeah. The design all through this is, is spectacular. Um, Ryan, as an artist, uh, what... What stuck out to you with uh, with his like storytelling style and how he uh, 
how he used the art to to kind of set up like the the emotional landscape of like each of the vignettes. Well, that was what was really cool for me. Uh, you know, if when I read something, I always try to think about like what I can take away from it uh, for what I do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just thought that the way that it was set up in short stories uh, was really neat, and it really uh, really gave. Like, one of the things that I noticed right away was the um, What Do You Think of Andy oh, yeah. page, where yeah. they, it was just all the people that talk about him. And, like, since they're all sort of short stories, like in a newspaper, um, you know, it, it just rounds out the character in different ways. And then, you know, they just go off on a tangent with other characters and things, and, and it, like, makes the whole world feel really real. And also his brushwork is insane. Yeah. yeah. It's so intricate. Like, And also so many panels on a page. I mean, granted, the page is huge. Uh-huh. But it's just amazing how much detail he can get into a panel that's about like an inch and a half by an inch and a half. Like, yeah. That's so crazy to me i've never i've never really i've never read anything like this yeah i think the one thing the one thing i like about daniel Klaus' stories too is he is unafraid to uh position completely unlikable characters at the forefront of his stories yeah. like like louis <laughs> louis was awful yeah yeah <laughs> terrible guy but was <laughs> but was so integral to the or like if there was no louis if if you take him out of the story there there is no there's yeah. no death ray. He would have never picked up a cigarette. Yeah. You know what's funny too is if you if you really break it down, Louis is like the Robin to his Batman. So he's basically yeah. the sidekick. Yep. He just has no powers, no abilities, uh, he, and he's a complete jerk, and he's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is something weirdly. I feel like they do something to try to not redeem him, but there is like a, a an undercurrent of. I don't know morality or something. Yeah, well, I think that that uh, they don't really like. It, it's not a main thing, but it's like definitely there and kind of shocking at the end when it hap- when it comes out. Yeah, when well, like they you know they use the ray gun on that. Are, we can spoil things, right? Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. I mean, basically, the whole gist of it is uh, what's his, what's the main character's name? Andy. Andy. Duh. Because yeah. yeah, duh. <laughs> uh, I read this on Sunday, so and I have about a forty-eight hour of memory, so. Um, I always have to keep reminding him who I am when I show up to record the podcast. That's right, Pat. That was really bad. (laughs) Anyway, Andy uh, lives with his grandfather because his all of his family is dead from cancer. (laughs) From cancer, and he is given uh, well, he is given a cigarette to smoke by his friend, his air quote friend, Mm -hmm. Louis. And he discovers then that he gets super strength and like superpowers, just super strength. Uh, super, yeah, yeah, super strength, yeah. I read this. I swear I read yeah. this. Cliff notes. Um, well, the origin, his origin is, you know, the way he starts, it's it's more or less Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. You know? It is. It's, uh, it's that, it's that, uh, and, and I really, I really like that, and it's basically, you know, Daniel Klaus saying, this is, this is how I see superheroes shaking yeah. out. But yeah, like, and, they, and then he is left a death ray that basically just zaps things out of existence. Yeah. Um, and at the and he uses it on people that he to get his own type of justice, which he justifies in his head. Um, and it's a really subtle twist from like the first time he uses it on a squirrel on accident, right? It's, 
or like just testing it out. They were testing it out. Yeah. yeah. And he feels so bad about killing the squirrel and like puts like a pictures of like the picture of the squirrel like on his corkboard like remember it like he feels so bad and then all the way to Louis's sister is in danger from this guy that she's dating who's basically making her do, making her do drugs or in getting her into a bad CD lifestyle and they use the death ray to just destroy him. Yeah. yeah. Which is where Louis then I guess that's where he breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then um yeah, that that was interesting to me that Louis like I couldn't really I mean I'm still trying to wrap my brain around like why Louis reacted the way he did later. Yeah. Um you know, like the whole rock he, t- he basically took him away to kill him, yeah. to to ice him because he had, because he realized that Andy is super powerful. Uh, yeah, I, you know what I think it was. To me, it's sort of read as Louis was a type of kid who always wanted to be in control, which is why I think he was such an asshole throughout the entire story. Yeah, he's a guy who always wanted to be the centerpiece and. Uh, you know, con- with control usually comes power, and yeah. you know he helped build Andy to this point that he realized that Andy was more powerful than him in his world, and that's a direct threat. Yeah, to yeah. someone like that, right? Yeah, I I loved all the bits about uh, Louis going to New York and basically discovering the CBGB's like punk scene. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that. Like him going back to his hometown, being like, "Oh yeah, I mean, we I hang out. If I ever go see them in concert, I can go backstage. It's totally fine." I love that because that is exactly the kind of kid that everyone knows in high school. Like, yeah, I liked uh, also the um, just like all those references to I guess what would it be the early seventies, mid seventies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like how it, all the. The, just the design of everything and the colors scheme somehow made like it made I, I obviously wasn't alive in the 70s but my uh, like old pictures of my parents it all oh, felt yeah. like that yeah yeah and, and speaking of the color too I love I love that the color choices constantly shift in the stories as well like you you it it's immediately noticeable like in the first two pages where everything is just this sort of blue wash until Andy has a chance to confront someone, and then all of a sudden we hit color, and you realize that the only time that he feels alive anymore is when he's close to confrontation yeah. or close to uh, close to lashing out. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I'll, you know one of the advantages since Klaus does everything, you know, writes it down to coloring it. Yeah, uh, is that he uses the color purely as a storytelling device. I mean, he still makes great color choices, and they look really pretty, but, you know, he's able to just color for the sake of giving you insight into the story, which really, you know, rarely gets to happen in superhero comics because the labor is separate, and uh, the the labor is separate, and also they're they're doing more representational stuff, so it's... uh, you know, I love that stuff when when an independent book or, you know, somebody has that much control. Dave Stewart's able to do it in uh, mainstream comics a yeah. lot, but... Oh, yeah. He colors the goon. 
Oh, yeah. 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 We covered the goon on our show a, a few episodes ago, uh, the four most recent issues, and he, oh, man, he, I, I, will, I will just pour over anything that he colors. Oh. He's the best, and he, he, does, uh, he does different styles on different artists, and it's just nuts. Yeah. yeah. I also, um, it is, it does all look so 70s. Like, it almost feels like the, like, old news strip cartoons. Yeah. Kind of, like the, not the simplicity, like the, well, simplicity in a good way. Simplicity can be an awesome word. Yeah. Uh, of how, like, everything is arranged, and it feels very comic strippy. Um, which I think is really fascinating. This is a weird observation, but... You don't often see a lot of stuff, uh, pop culture stuff set in the 70s, because it seems like like the 60s had their resurgence, Yeah. and now there's an 80s sort of resurgence, but there's never really been a 70s resurgence where... I mean, there was that 70s show, but that was about... Yeah. Or like, no one ever remembers the 70s fondly. Like, yeah, Mad Men seems to be, like... Yeah. Like, Mad Men is this, like, su- like oh, the 60s were, like, super sexy and yeah. gorgeous and clean. And, like, the 80s were, like, just freewheeling and fun. And the 70s... Meh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the only thing that, that sort of had a revival from the 70s was... And, and it might only be my own limited frame of reference, but, like, in the 90s, I remember as a kid... Uh, it, it was like the the kids shows from the seventies were the only thing that sort of anybody uh, anybody brought forward and celebrated. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that seems to be it, it. Does sort of seem to be a, a, a lost decade. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great music, but a lot of those musicians started, you know, would be considered sixties artists because they started in the mid to late sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even you know Zeppelin's run. You know they're considered a, a you know seminal like '70s metal band or you know rock band, and they started in the '60s. And what do we think of the Death Ray's superhero costume? <laughs> I really I feel like that is very indicative of the tone of this entire book because it is so exactly what would superheroes be like if they actually existed. Yeah. Uh, and even like, because that's also what kick ass is, air quotes, supposed to be, but it isn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, this is so, like, small town and almost boring. Like, how they, like, he goes to a store, gets, like, a weird shirt, and that's about, like, yeah, this'll do. Yeah. And probably, like, some dishwashing gloves. Yeah. And that's, you know, what he wears to fight crime, which amounts to just walking around. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, well, it's interesting too because they're at that age where you know, like, like in a small town, uh, uh, ennui kind of sets in, right? Yeah. Where that's really all you have to do. Like, I grew up, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, where you know the most exciting thing to do on the weekends was usually hang out in the Burger King parking lot. Yeah. Now imagine if you had a death ray in the Burger King parking lot. Oh. <laughs> what what, what <laughs> happened? That was really creepy. No, I. Ryan, what would you have done with a death ray in high school? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd rather not say. Oh, man. It's the serial killer rumor, right? It's already... Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to keep perpetuating that. Yeah. 
I, no, I was, one thing I wanted to say, you, you said that when they go fight crime, but like, does he ever really fight crime? Or because no, they just keep trying to set people up? Yeah. yeah. Well, they there's they find out that what that one girl's father is, um, like attacking her or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and does Andy go after her? I should have ran through this again. No, they like, go after or, the they go after the dad, the dad and then the, yeah. the, the dog gets away. <laughs> the dog gets away, and that's all she cares about is like my dog got away. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. exactly yeah. I like how Klaus never gives like doesn't really ever give him like a justified hero moment. Like I feel like no one ever runs up to him like oh Deathray, thank you so much. Like, yeah, the whole time every anytime he actually does something, you're just it feels bad. Yeah, 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 and I love. Uh, I love too. Like any time that happens, um, y- you know, uh, he draws he draws the characters so differently from uh, from vignette, and even within the same sort of uh, uh, you know short strip, he'll draw them differently, just sort of based on what emotion they're probably experiencing at that time. Like the baseball strip, where Andy is just whiffing over and over again at the plate. Yeah, uh, and it's not like that took place years ago, but everyone is drawn as like peanut-sized little children. Yeah, uh, because I, you know, you imagine that's exactly how you feel if you're on a field, you know, on a ball field with a bunch of kids, and you're just embarrassing yourself at at, at the plate when all you want to do is actually hit the ball. Yeah, I also love in like the double-page spread of the death ray punching that guy in the face, which I assume that's a fantasy. It's yeah. It's like this is what we can do. It's so big and so comic booky, and they never they never get those highs. No, nope. <laughs> they never get back up there. Uh, I also think it's a really interesting choice that he gets his superpowers from smoking. Yeah, because that would never fly. Yeah, today. <laughs> um, I mean, this was published now. Like 2004 was when it appeared in Eight Ball. 2011 is when it was made in this form. Yeah, so like it was made today, but I feel like you. Man, you could not say nowadays, hey kids, cigarettes give you powers. Well, you can Marvel has no smoking in their comics at all. Oh, right. That was a that was an edict uh that I think I think maybe Joe Quesada had enacted that maybe in like two right around this time. Oh yeah. Like around 2004. Wait, so Wolverine can't smoke? No. No. I, 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 I guess... I've done it. I've drawn it and they and didn't know and I've had to remove uh, cigars or you know whatever. Oh wow! And are, are you, is that is that even background characters or? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, there's just it, there's no such thing as cigarettes or smoking. Wow! Wow! That, okay. That's. I mean, I wonder what this says. Like, why does why do cigarettes give uh, Andy powers? Like, is it a commentary on just like the seventies and glorification of smoking? Is it uh, play is is this, are the cigarettes themselves a death ray? Are they... Oh, I know what it is. You guys, this entire book takes place in flavor country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that maybe it was like that thing where... Like, I was wondering if maybe the whole death ray character, the idea of it was some sort of fantasy. Yeah. And uh, the smoking thing, he takes it up. Uh, it's like one of the, you know, he's never really done anything bad. He's never really made any decisions. He's just had all this death around him, and he lives with his grandpa. So I was thinking that maybe the the cigarette smoking was just like him 
doing something that he knew was wrong and doing it anyway, and that made him feel like a hero. Oh, yeah, like like all teenagers do. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> or even... I wonder if it could also be, like, a justification, like, I'm smoking, this is awful, but you know what, it gives me superpowers. Or it's, like, the types of things that we do in our minds to justify the awful things we do. Yeah. Which, in a way, is kind of like when he gets the death ray, he, like, comes up with all these tiny, tiny justifications for why he used them. Uh, One of my favorite parts is at the end of the book, when it's, like, older Andy, and it's just those, like, what do I think, like, when they mirror the what do I think about Andy bit... And it's, like, all the people that he's disappeared or that he's, um, you know, killed. And they're like, I slept with his wife. I, what, what are all the reasons? I slept with his second wife. Yeah, and it's, like, yeah, I, I fucked his wife. I sold some grass to his maid's daughter. It was my own fault, really, Andy. I'm sorry. It's so, like, yeah. It's, like, oh, yeah, that's, those are the justifications that he gave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the characters are really in that sense just that they do things that I don't know the, the Louis character was like to me the most fascinating in the book oh yeah uh, and he seems so real like I don't know if I really know anybody like him which is makes it even more impressive because I have no frame of reference for this guy for him to seem absolutely like somebody that I could know yeah nobody just like kind of how do you say it, nihilistic or nihilistic or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he just hates everything. Like, early on, they set the tone so well with him. What does he say? Uh, doesn't he say, uh, I wish, oh, he, uh, yeah, he, he asks Andy where his parents are, and uh, Andy tells him that they're both dead, and Louis says, I wish my parents were dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and then later they say when, you know, when Andy dis- or Louis disappears, uh, they say that his mom was relieved. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was just like never, he was never anything to anybody, you know? Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, in that, that whole, fa- his whole family is just tragic yeah, in that, this book. Yeah, that scene with his, with his strung out. Uh, sister's boyfriend at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. So, oh. To me, like... It reminded me of that episode of Freaks and Geeks where uh, Linda Cardellini's character goes to, like, meet Busy Phillips' character for the first... Like, her family for the first time, and it's like... Oh, yeah. And it was, and like, just... one of the... It was so controversial, they couldn't air it on television because it was, like, such a graphic depiction of bad family. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's exactly what that reminds me of. And it's also interesting that the guy, like, the strung-out boyfriend that he hates ends up becoming, like, his friend and confidant, like, towards the yeah. end. And even Andy goes and gets him to then drive to get the death ray when he's, like, older, like, much older, too. It's like... Yeah. That guy becomes a fixture in their lives, somehow. Yeah, that's, uh... There needs to be... The, just the things that harken back to that era, like you said, like, Freaks and Geeks, they have that that weird like tone to them that I, I guess is you know probably of that era where like it just felt like nothing mattered or something like, yeah. like post hippie yeah. uh, you know free love era where they were just like it was just in Vietnam was over and it was just like God, the 70s, were <laughs> like, <laughs> 70s were awful yeah, 70s were awful yeah now I see why there aren't any like Nixon 70s revival I mean, yeah, yeah, jeez, and that's what this book really does a good job of capturing is just like that, 
almost like quiet desperation of being a teenager. Like I even love that Andy's air, you know, girlfriend is some girl that you know he only knew when he was like a little kid, and now just writes to. And those letters he writes to her are just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Like even like, why aren't you writing me back? And then it settles down to him be like, yeah, but I love you. Also, write me back. Even if it's just to tell me you don't want to be with me anymore, like that's so depressing. And I yeah, and he said when he went and saw her at that one point that he had always been in love with her, which is like of course he was because yeah. he didn't know her. He hates most people, so since he she's like the ideal that he's built up in his head. But yeah, he, when they show her, I thought that was really neat. Oh yeah, she's uh... she, she looked horrible and just worn down and. She yeah, she looks like what a bunch of my high school friends from uh, look like now on Facebook in oh. a way. Like it's just like that. Yeah, she's grown up. Yeah, and she like you you go from the original depiction, which was this young girl. I love that. Is that one page spread of her singing into the uh, the hose, the garden hose? Yeah. With like her, you know, Nancy Sinatra boots. Yeah. And her pearls, like. It's such a good image. Like I just yeah, really, I, I didn't think about what it meant or anything, but it, you know, kind of showed Andy was in love. You know, thought he was in love with this girl. And he's writing her letters, and she's basically a child. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and it's clear, it's clear that this that's that's how he sees her. Whatever she's doing at that time, and the color there too is just so vibrant. Yeah, and the background is just. You know the skies are, are are so clear and everything looks it's perfect. perfect where she is compared to what's going on with him. I want to be where Dusty is, wherever you are. And I, I just love like all those little details, because uh, in a way this almost feels like the highlights of a superheroes. Well, not a super like of a comic book that ran a hundred issues almost. Mm-hmm. So it does. It spans such a long amount of time, and there are so many little details. Um, that they don't really gloss over, but they don't show you everything. Like, there's the one whose car do they mess up? Is it the that's the oh the, like the, the bullies? Yeah. yeah, but like they mess up his car, but they don't show you messing up his car. It's it's very much in between panels or in between pages or chapters. Like it's a chapter ends or something with them being like, "Hey, his car's over there," and then like two or three vignettes later, you find out, "Yeah, he's really mad about all the damage we did to it." Like I really, it's such an interesting. It's like they, it's like Klaus really picked and chose what moments he wanted to show. Instead of like nowadays in kind of like mainstream superhero comics, you would get decompression where we're going to show you them destroying the car and then what they do right after that. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, he's just like, a, he's just doing something different from everybody else. He's like the thoughtful prose writer, you know, that yeah. is putting everything into it and, you know. Everything means something if you really break it down. He had uh, speaking of everything meaning something too. He uh, Andy definitely had a thing for uh, for the uh, for the, the woman that came over. Yeah, yeah, the, ma- uh, the to take yeah, care the of the house. Yeah, yeah, that was when does he he kisses her on the mouth in a was that a fantasy or did he really kiss her? No, no, he did that and then she left. Yeah, and she was leaving for good. Yeah, that's. Which, I would assume that that was some sort of like misplaced uh, affection because he didn't have a, fan, a mother or anything. She was like the closest thing he had. And, yeah. You know, he didn't know 
what his feelings were for her, because I'm sure he wasn't, like, actually, actually in love with yeah. her. But. Oh, yeah. Well, it's also interesting because is the, I mean, throughout the entire book leading up until that final moment, like, there are these random shots of just her getting rammed on the bed. That's a very blunt term. Oh, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Does it first come up in the origin? The origin. Oh, the, of the origin Death of the Death Ray. There's there's those random panels of of like uh, her like you know fuck me hard or like what is it? Uh, fuck me, Andy. Fuck, yeah, yeah, baby, that's it. Oh, it's Andy, like, you fucked me this? so good. It's a lot of build up. I said it with a lot of passion too. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah, you sold it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the audiobook of this is gonna star Matt as with all the parts. Pages that fuck me, Andy. On. <laughs> uh, that's uh that's the origin of the Death Ray two page spread. Uh, that's on uh, page twelve and thirteen. Oh, okay, yeah. So, maybe that's just showing that maybe all this is a fantasy and that, I don't know. Well, you know, I, I think, too, like, that's, yeah, of course he develops, it makes sense that he develops a crush on her as well, because she's the only person in his life that sort of forces structure and responsibility yeah. on him, whereas, you know, Louis's just trying to take advantage of the talents that he has, and his grandfather's too far gone to be of much use as a as a a, a role model. Doesn't well, he death ray his grandfather? No, he uh, considers it. He considers yeah. it, but I think he actually does because if you look at um, if you look at that final, uh, what do you think of Andy? Oh, never mind, never mind. You know what? Uh, he's his grandfather is blue because his grandfather died, not because. Yeah. He zapped him. Okay. I was thinking that that, ha- that he decided to do it later, yeah. off-panel, and that's how they reveal it. It's Either way, a... that could that was, could both work. Yeah. And I also, um, it ends so open-ended. I It also ends, I like how it's book-ended with both, like, older Andy, because not knowing anything about Daniel Klaus, not really knowing what I was getting into, when it started as the, with, like, this old person, I was like, well, what is this? I don't know, who are we going to see? And so when we finally come back to that... It adds so much more weight to, on the very first page, when he's like, uh, did you, like, when he sees that person littering, and it's like, you're going to pick that up? <laughs> and once you go back and revisit that first page, you're like, oh, that is enough grounds for him to disappear you, for him to death rage you. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what we've learned. Uh, I, I, really, I really like how they bookend that. So do you, do you think that, do you think he winds up death raying that guy when he runs into him again towards the end of the book? I think he death rays everyone, man. You you pick that's the that's yeah. the ending you choose pick. Choose your own adventure, guys. Okay, so which ending do we all choose? C. C? I went with C as well. Wait, which one is C? Oh, it's the like at like the mundane one? Yes. Yeah. I mean yeah, C is the one I would pick just because it is the most tragic. No, you right? picked A. Well you I just know. picked A. I, well, I have two personalities. <laughs> the aggressive idiot picked A. Uh, the thoughtful me picked C. No one picks B. Because isn't B the one where it's just like him watching fireworks with his dog? Uh, no, B is B is he zaps oh. himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I pick all three of them. Pick all three? Yeah. Yo, yo this is a multiverse ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, I mean... Is there anything, Ryan, is there anything that you, like, take away from this that you would like to apply to your own art? Or does this, like, put an itch in your brain of, like, I want to try doing pages with 20 panels on them or anything like that? You know, the thing that I thought was, like, oh, you know how cool it would be to do, like, a 
create our own webcomic with this type of structure where each pay a stri- each strip, you know, there's no punchline to each strip, but they each tell like a tiny, tiny story and then yeah. those somehow make up a larger story. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely something that I'd like to try at some point. Because uh, that's just, that's just really, it's, when you really think about it, like how little happens in each little strip. Yeah. Uh, for it to make up such a large story in the end, it's there's, pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of, there's a ton of little, I mean, there's at least like 40 or so little vignettes in this thing. Mm-hmm. Or more than that. I mean, it's almost like reading a big Charles Schultz Peanuts con- collection as yep. if it was one giant story that was very dark. The Death Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, the Death Peanuts. And then somehow the, them being just little vignettes like that somehow makes them all seem so poignant. You know? Yeah. So I, it's like, it's funny how if you mention a part, you remember it so well, where if it was all just like one big narrative, you might forget things. But you're like, oh yeah, that that strip i remember that yeah i feel like that's also the way with like even modern comics uh like i'm trying to think it's so much easier to remember the one and dones that are done Mm -hmm. in the past like 10 years than oh do you remember part two of that six part story it's like no i don't well it's uh this actually reminded me a little bit of how uh mad men is structured Sort oh, yeah, of in that, that way yeah. where, you know, there is time passing, but, you know, it's it's much more vignette style from episode to episode yeah. than, than, you know, like like overly episodic yeah. or, uh, or soap operatic. And I would much rather live in the 60s than the 70s. Oh, clearly, yeah. By far. <laughs> uh, the 70s was nothing but muddled colors and, and smoke and... <laughs> and people death-raying other people. And Louie. Yeah. And your wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All your wives getting cheated on, doing drugs, going to drug dens. Yeah, a lot of drug dens. You have to have ugly hair, too. Required. Required. And, and just a wisp of a mustache. Yeah. I have to say, Louis' haircut is probably the best haircut. Like, the best act, act of getting a haircut. Like, thank God his hairstyle changed. <laughs> that yeah. kind of haircut. Because <laughs> it goes from that weird, like, Prince Valiant cut to just, like, short. Yeah, and what I find was find weird is when he got the shortcut. That's when the bullies called him like a faggot. Yeah, or something. It's like no, no. He has like short, masculine-looking hair. He does not no longer have the weird, fey prince valiant hair. I, I don't understand seventies, like that wasn't values. our that wasn't our time, guys. No. That was not so our like, time. The, like I mean, the main the main bully looks like Carrot Top, kind of like Stoop. Yeah, he has that, like, big mess of, like, red, blonde, curly hair. <laughs> like, that's not cool. If that's the, cool, uh, I don't know what is. The haircut. It's all those little subtleties are just, they just build it up so much. It's so interesting that, because that scene, you know, like, they don't even, they barely even mention it. And yet it seems so, like, important. Yeah. Ryan, when you're when you're drawing uh, sort of a crowd scene and stuff like that, uh, is is it is it tough to kind of get into like the research of of uh, of like clothing and style like that? Uh, yes, it's I try and find reference, uh, you know, and just try and do whatever I can. But plus, it's it's tedious, so it's like uh, it's really hard to stay invested enough to to, to get as uh, you know, 
accurate as um, as Klaus is. Like everybody has different outfits all the time, you know. Yeah. That's why in the '90s everybody had bomber jackets in comics. Yeah, <laughs> it's just easier. Big belts, bomber jackets. I love I love '90s uh, '90s gang members <laughs> in comics. Yeah, like they they always carried baseball bats. Yep, and uh, they always had do rags, and like uh, they always had skateboards for some reason. Yep. Yeah. They all wore tank tops. Yeah. yeah. Flannel shirts tied around their waist. Like crazy sunglasses that don't even exist. Yeah. yeah. Or, and if you were a female member of the gang, you were wearing bike shorts. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, of course. Bike shorts, bike shorts <laughs> and like chunky, chunky, like up to the knee socks, but pushed down. Yeah. It's like when you're playing the Maximum Carnage video game for Sega, because again, that's my video game knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's what they're all wearing. It's like we, exa- we described exactly what all the street toughs in that video game look like. Street toughs. Yeah. Street toughs. <laughs> that's what the kids call them, right? Street toughs. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to see Daniel Klaus do like Death Rate 90s now. <laughs> oh, man. Because I have to say, uh, the, the glasses that Louis gets... The like the black rim with the yellow lenses. Yeah, like, that's I had those glasses in high school because they were the kind that like Art Alexakis from Everclear wore. <laughs> so I thought they oh, were like man. super cool. This is quite the confession. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that I just made. Yeah, guys, Everclear was one of my top three favorite bands for most of high school. I believe that. I really felt uh, <laughs> all those songs about heroin girls and whores. And drug dealers and abandoned children. I just related to being a upper middle class uh, kid from Tennessee. <laughs> so where's that Everclear now? Uh, it is just Art Alexakis, and he has a completely different band, but he still calls them Everclear. Apparently, they re-recorded. Uh, yes. What was, their, what was their big? Was it so much for the Afterglow? No, I, or? Think they, I think I feel like they did an entire greatest hits where they just did all their greatest hits, but just re-recorded them all. Yeah. With, with the, the new, new band. band, yeah, that is crazy. How did it sound? Uh, I awesome. <laughs> uh, it it sounded it, it sounded exactly the way you asked that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's uh, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think you just gotta if if you have great work, you you, you just let it be great work and keep moving forward. You don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Poor Everclear. Let's just all lament. Everclear's career. That's what this has come to. <laughs> so it's come to this. Death yeah. Ray has led us to the conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad for Everclear. I mean, Death Ray got me to a really melancholy place, and I just started thinking about Third Eye Blind, and Fastball, and Semisonic. Uh, what did Fastball sing? The Way. Anyone can see the road that they walk on is paved in. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always yeah. Oh god, that's what. Right, you should have you, you should have waited a little longer. Let's find out how long we could have. I could sing. The let whole him sing song. the song before you could have been like, oh, that was yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh man, you should just work in Art, Art Alexakis into a background of FF number. Which one are you doing right now? 618? 609. 609. 609. That was way off. Page 18 of 609. Page 18 of 609. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, do we have any final thoughts about the Death Ray that are not Everclear related? So our our conclusion is that um, Louis wanted to kill... uh, 
Andy? Andy, because he had too much power. Yeah, that's what I I think. Yeah, so. I, I think, think it's so. you know I think it's sort of like uh, it, what Brett was saying earlier or uh, last episode. Oh, uh, <laughs> where uh, you know we have we have a lot of friends that that are starting to see a lot of success and are getting jobs writing for television and stuff oh, like yeah. that. What's that? And you want to murder them? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but there are there are definitely people that. Uh, you know, just last night I was at McManus, and and you will hear people hanging out at the bar talking about other people that have success now, and they're just like, "Oh, fuck that dude!" Uh, and you're like, "Why?" Name, names, name, no. names. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's very comic book also, that happens a lot, also. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like what you were what you were describing with like uh, the the sort of community of comic book creators is is very similar to. Uh, to the, the community of uh, comedians and stuff that we know, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's probably like that in most fields when people, you know, move up. and Especially fields that require you to do a whole lot of work that you're not getting paid for or getting yeah. very little paid for. That's all, like, so creative and therefore uber personal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there's similarities in any type of thing like that. <laughs> yeah, do you... Um, how do you... How good of a job do you do sort of uh, separating yourself from your work when it comes to, like, uh, uh, reading opinion about it? Um, I'm terrible about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We all yeah. – yeah, we are too. It's <laughs> Somebody can say – I can read a review where they say the artwork was good and that's not a strong enough superlative for me and it makes me mad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so stupid. Well, that's and also the whole, time, the whole time. It's so crazy because the whole time in your head you're thinking, "This is stupid." Yep. Why am I thinking like this? Like, and you, 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 everything in your head is telling you to be logical about it, and you just can't. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's even like I know not to read comments. But like when I started getting articles published by CBR, I made the mistake of reading some comments. Those guys are savages. Uh, Like I wrote a eulogy to Uncanny X-Men, which I, because it had its last issue. And I acknowledged fully, I know there's a volume two. And I know it's stupid to be like, you know, mourning the loss of a numbering. But humor me, I want to write an article about how... You know, my first issue of Uncanny was 297, and number 303, I remember reading in Kroger's grocery store, made me cry, and etc. cetera. Uh, so just humor me, and there are, like, death, like comments like, idiot, don't you know this is happening? You're yeah. an idiot. It's like, I, I put it in the article. Did you yeah. read the article, how I said I know it doesn't matter? Yeah. Okay. You know, I love I love putting a tweet out there and then getting a very serious response back. Like, I, don't, I can't think of any examples right off the top of my head. Yeah. But you know when you say something that's clearly a joke and it's supposed yeah. to be stupid? Yep. You get that one great response that just takes it so seriously. Yeah. That's there my was, favorite. People were tweeting um, with, uh, I mean, Avengers spoiler. Can I say an Avengers spoiler? Uh, yeah, it's been, it's the uh, biggest movie in the world. I yeah. think everyone's. Uh, Clark Gregg's Twitter, people were tweeting like Coulson Lives graffiti. That like people were like graffitiing all over the world and like bridges and stuff in Berlin and whatnot. And Clark Gregg was like, "Awesome, cool. Of course, awesome, cool. People are graffitiing your character's name like a crazy yeah. street art campaign." And there was like one person who kept like tweeting like, "You think it's really cool to endorse vandalism?" <laughs> and he's like, "Are you okay? I mean, okay, come on." 
And like there was like a back and forth between like, what is this? Yeah. Jeez, just lighten up, people. It's just the internet. Yeah, one of the things that I did was um, <laughs> the best thing ever is to take a famous person that like a lot of teeny boppers like and say something negative about them. So like I said, yeah, this was a while ago after Kanye West uh, took the stage with Taylor Swift. Oh, yep. yeah. And the next day I tweeted, I said, uh, I can't believe Taylor Swift did that to Kanye. Why wouldn't she just get out of his way? <laughs> and, I had, and I didn't know that this would work at the time. And I just had so many angry people tweeting, you are an idiot. <laughs> How could you say that? And thus proving that they're the biggest idiots of all. Oh, that's great. I mean, like, I had that. Like, even if I misunderstood the situation or, or you know. <laughs> didn't think it was a big deal there's no way i would think man people should just get out of his way yeah he's kanye west man he <laughs> gave us touch the sky yeah which is not even his best song um colin quinn i don't know if you ever read colin quinn's twitter but he purposely does that all yeah, the time he, uh, yeah i think I, I think i do follow him yeah well like joe mandy i love like joe mandy just retweets celebrities like it's low hanging yeah. fruit but it's also like eh funny to me <laughs> he retweets like uh all the corporations all the time yeah what also like blows my mind like hey Captain D's we don't need to know your thoughts on this on Whitney Houston's death like just weird like why, hey Target why do you care about etc like, my favorite tweet ever this is literally the one that I laughed the hardest at <laughs> was when uh, I think Rob or Scott Ackerman, I think, retweeted Waffle House, and it said, "It said, what did you think of Whitney Houston's funeral this weekend? Hashtag Waffle House. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Is that racist? What is, I is it? Ki- I don't even know. I don't know what it is. It doesn't make enough sense to be racist. No, not at all. <laughs> Jeez. What? It, what? <laughs> Why would you make make sure guys like and I imagine them like getting replies and being like this is great just make sure you can you retweet that and hashtag it Waffle House <laughs> I love like Waffle House is like hey we have a social media savant we just yeah. hired <laughs> like oh. he's gonna take us places oh wow yeah, it's like the best thing ever it's <laughs> amazing I saw a bunch of people retweeting I retweeted it and then I saw like. Like Rob Delaney's Twitter had it, yeah, and everything. <laughs> That's hilarious. Have you ever given any thought to writing comedy? Um, that's the the funny thing that we kind of touched on before is that at the time that I got into comic books, I feel like if I would have had the same experiences uh, with something that led me towards writing or writing comedy yeah it, that would have happened because i was very obsessed with um uh saturday night live and yeah. david letterman and all that stuff when i was a kid and i uh i always the things that i said that i wanted to be uh, i wanted to be a professional baseball player but i wasn't very good uh, or i wanted to be uh i wanted to write for snl i've never really wanted to perform I'm yeah not, yeah like, uh, I don't I don't like being on stage or anything. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to be a, a writer for Saturday Night Live or a comic book artist. And, you know, it just so happens that this is the one that my, you know, 
path took me to. But, but sometimes now I think about it, and I'm like, that seems pretty fun. Yeah. Especially I listen to all those comedy podcasts with all the comedians, yeah. and, you know, it just seems fun. It's... It's got it's, it does sound a lot <laughs> the exact same not the exact same as a career in comics in the way of you know yeah it can and as you guys uh, fantasize about the comic book stuff and I fantasize about yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean I, I it's stupid it's like the dumbest problem to have but like the big struggle in my brain is like do I want to write comic books or write for SNL like that is okay like boohoo <laughs> like just pick yeah. like just. It's like, do I want to do this thing I love or this thing I love? Like, yeah. I could be what it, the rest uh, of my family is doing, which is something they hate. Well, especially considering that lots of people aren't passionate about anything. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't understand. I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm extroverted and partially crazy, but I just don't understand <laughs> how people uh, people don't try to chase the things that they're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for me, I try to put it in perspective. And like I said, I had these opportunities with my parents being so supportive that I don't think most people have. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was like it just never occurred to me that that I would do anything, you know, but this type of thing. Like the, the thought of an office job, I had a degree. I could have tried to get jobs, and um, it just never even. I just never even did it. I never tried anything. I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I think, I think especially with careers like this, again, where you have to, you have to work so long, you know, pro bono that, uh, just, just to get a foothold in it, like you have to, you have to be obsessed with it because the, 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 the more you half-ass it, the longer your path to possibly getting a, a paying job in that field becomes. Yeah. And yeah, and then you, it's fun. It's funny to see the the different types of people, the ones that end up making it, or the artists that you know that get better, and the ones that never progress, and they they fall into that trap of complaining, like it's somebody else's fault that they don't have work. And I'm sure it's the same in comedy, where you start to see people who aren't putting in the work. Yeah. But are complaining about not having the work, you know? Yeah, sometimes that's me. <laughs> but I, I know it. Uh... Well, it, you know, and, and it's tough, It's tough too, because, uh, because again, like like drawing and writing and stuff like that, these things that we love, they, they, they start, a lot of times that stuff starts when we're teenagers and there isn't really that sort of uh, a career structure in our brains. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of people just uh, become hobbyists at it and right. don't realize that, you know, Sometimes you do have to be your own boss and, and, and set down that structure for yourself of like, all right, yeah, I have, you know, I have a day job, but that means I'm going to have to get up a couple of hours before work if I want to get this work that I yeah. love done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's, that was the hard, that was hard for me. I had a, like a job in a stock room for a little bit. Yeah. I'm working like 20 hours a week, but that made it really difficult for me. To get stuff done, it wasn't until, um, you know, I started getting paid by people that I could really get myself to settle down and take, you know, get get work done on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, if you're, it's like chasing your career, 
is itself a career. <laughs> like, yeah. Because oh, yeah. yeah. it's like, I have a day job, but I, when I come home, it's like, okay, now is when I need to be writing. But it's also mm. like, I'm tired because <laughs> I've spent my day at a day job, and I just want to sit down and relax. Uh, oh, okay. So I get to, like, fight through that to do things. Well, there, you know, even even with me, like, there was the time in my career where I would finish drawing, and then I would draw more because, you know, I would, I would finish my work, and then I'd, like, take out a sketchbook and be like, okay, I'm going to figure out this anatomy, you know, like. Yeah. And it was just like, but now when I'm done, I'm just like. I'm done working. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. not spend time with my family. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how is that? I, I did want to ask you that, uh, like you get to, you get to work from home. Uh, is that, you know, I have to imagine that's probably, uh, uh a great advantage for you, uh, as, as a father mm-hmm. to be able yeah. to kind of be close to the family too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing because in, 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 at this point, I don't know any different. It's been so long since I've had like a, had to be anywhere, yeah. Kind of job, um, but it's really awesome because like I'll work like a half hour straight, solid, no distractions. Go upstairs for five minutes and throw the kid around, and come back down and uh, get back to work. And you know, I just kind of do those things on and off. And so you know, hopefully in his mind, I'm there all the time. Yeah. Rather than like, and then also I'll take my at night usually like generally right now I would be upstairs. I have a separate ta- drafting table up there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm inking, I'll just go sit upstairs and hang out with my wife and son and uh, continue working uh, because this this job does require way way too many hours of work. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. But uh, but. Have you gotten faster since your forty hours per page days? <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm so much faster. Okay. That, was, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I can't even believe. When I look back at some of these things, I can't believe that I made it through those times. Yeah. yeah. When I when I moved home with my parents, um, and started working, I was like not sleeping uh, ever, and I was I lost forty pounds, which you would think. That doesn't even make sense because you're. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's sitting all the time. Yeah, that's ins- wow. But I just wouldn't eat because I was so engrossed in what I was doing, and I I was never the 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 worst part is that I was never even I wasn't even uh you know like the BMI when yeah. I started I was not overweight, so I lost forty pounds within the you know that range. So I'm, I'm six foot four and I was down to one hundred and sixty five pounds. Oh Jeez. lord. Yeah, and my we were both freaked wife, out. <laughs> that's when my wife and I started dating, and she she knew me before we st- uh, started dating. And she always calls that my mach- machinist period. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Christian Bale. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> oh man, that's a uh, yeah that that is a that is a gaunt frame right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, you know, I didn't realize it was happening. Like, like we said before, it's you know, like yeah. getting not realizing that you're getting fat thing. Like, yeah, um, it's the same thing. I just got really skinny, and I remember my sister came over one day, and she was like, "What happened?" <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" And she was like, "You look really skinny," and then I weighed myself, and I was like, "Oh dear." Yeah. Then it's like, who wants to go to Coldstone? <laughs> yeah, well, then then I started dating my wife, though. And, uh, our 
um, love of Mexican food synced up, and I gained oh. it all back. Nice. <laughs> nice. Thank you, burritos. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I love Mexican food. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you. I don't know if yeah, you guys there's anything else, anything else to, to cover before we wrap everything up. Um, Do you have anything? I mean, we've been talking about Fantastic Four all all episode. Is there anything else you'd like to plug, like uh, Twitter or anything like that? Well, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryanste- twitter.com slash ryanstegman, Tumblr, ryanstegman.tumblr, deviantart, ryanstegman.deviantart. I mean, you snatched all those up. What's that? You snatched all those up. Yeah. There's, there's another then, Ryan uh, Stegman somewhere who is super mad. <laughs> oh, well, there is. Yeah, there's a guy that calls himself Real Ryan Stegman. What? Yeah. And what I is... told my followers, I always told, tell them, when I found out, I was like, tweet at them and tell them who the real Ryan Stegman is. <laughs> <laughs> he never replied. What does he do in his head that qualifies him as the real Ryan Stegman? Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, there is a, like an Australian soccer football player whose name is Brett White. Uh-huh. And I feel like, well, you know, in Australia, he's the real Brett White. You know? Yeah. Like, he's he's the celebrity. Uh, yeah. I kind of felt bad after I sicked my followers on him, but I, felt, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> awesome. Uh, any, anything else to plug there? Oh, yeah. Uh, next, the 13th, uh, Scarlet Spider number 6 comes out. And uh, that's my... Well, this will be out by then? Uh, ye- I mean, thirteen is our X Force episode. Yes. yes, so that so this will be this will be out. Uh, it'll have just come out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. Get it. Go go back and get it because it's um, the first issue that I fully inked myself, and it's my last Ooh. issue. Oh wow! Spider. Do you know yeah, when the will like a hardcover or trade of those first six issues be coming out? I mean, I'm sure uh, it will. I, oh yeah, there's a. It's already you can pre-order it on Amazon. I don't remember when it comes out. I think it might be August or something. But yeah. Yeah, it'll it'll all be traded. And also, we have a great story. I mean, we haven't really mentioned how awesome Scarlet Spider has been. Yeah, and it's all, it's such a I'm gonna say like a shock. <laughs> it's like you would think that like a story like Scarlet Spider has been kind of man. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I know where I'm going with this. No one thought a Scarlet Spider comic could be good, and it is great. Yeah. And it's one of those, it's it's a thing where, like, oh, the writer and the artist really care and have created such a new world. It really does feel like an indie book at Marvel just because it's just doing its own thing and it's in its own setting and you don't feel like, oh, well, we have to spend two issues doing a crossover with Daredevil or we have to, you know, whose side of AVX is Scarlet Spider on? Like, I love that it just feels like six issues of a great superhero story, like, that's it. why it was so hard to leave because it was like it, the the whole indie comic at Marvel. Like we felt that too. We felt yeah. like yeah, the, like that feels like even though it's not, it feels like it's my creation. Like yeah. I'm gonna be proprietary over it forever. Where when I see somebody else draw them, I'm gonna evaluate. You know, <laughs> like it's really hard for me to see other people draw them and uh, just. Those characters, I was so invested in, like the the cop and the doctor, the oh, yeah. uh, late Milan and Leighton, and uh, you know, I was you know really invested in making it look like it was from Houston. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so and- I have all this reference now that I'm never going to get to use. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're, we're going to know what we're going to know why if the FF starts showing up in uh, in Houston a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, well, well, Ryan has to get Ryan has to get some use out of his reference. <laughs> Yeah, Reed, why does this teleporter always have to take us through Houston? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you what, it's it, it was really exciting uh, just watching you, like... You were saying you were really invested in it, and it really showed. Uh, you you really stepped your game up, and it's been really exciting to like watch watch your art just like keep getting better and better with every issue. And I'll tell you, when I saw the solicits for uh, for your your first cover of FF, that that thing, oh, I, <laughs> I geeked out over that shot. What a I'm I'm really really jazzed up to see what you're going to do on that book as well. Yeah, where did you see the issue six ten cover? Oh, awesome! That that one's really neat. And but yeah, no thanks. It's that cover was so much fun. Like Hulk and thing punching each other. Yeah, <laughs> and just the just the uh, it's a that perfect sort of like old Stan Lee quote, I guess, of like the the shot should either be right before the action happens or like immediately after, like the most visceral part of the impact and just yeah. like the thing's jaw jutting the way and it oh oh i loved it i loved it thank you yeah awesome well thank you so much for being on the show uh you can check us out at matt and brett love comics uh, also like us on facebook you can follow me on twitter at at brett white and you can follow me on Twitter at the Matt Little. Uh, you can head over to iTunes uh, to pick up the podcast and subscribe. If you're there, please feel free to rate or leave a review. We would really appreciate that. That does help downloads. Uh, we will have links to all the books that we've discussed today on this episode of the podcast and on the page itself. If you click through to Amazon from there, that will kick us back a few dollars. We yep. would appreciate that. Also, you want to go to everclear.com to check out that awesome greatest hits we recorded that we discussed they really they really need your money oh Way yeah more than we do uh and you can catch brett uh writing monthly for the uh for the ucb sketch team everything rabbits yes third monday of the month uh my sketch this month might have swamp thing in it perfect <laughs> because that's what i do uh you can catch matt at lefthandedradio.com for his awesome comedy sketch comedy podcast as well as the monthly show that you do the first Thursday? Usually first Thursday yeah. of every month. Yeah, at UCB East. We Check that plug out. plug each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And we will talk to everyone later. That's how I always... I don't sign off like that every time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you usually say C, and then you're like, why did I say C? Yeah, no. Oh. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you guys next week on Matt and Brett Love Comics. Goodbye!